Abolition. Abolition. If you think slavery was immoral. No, no, I don't. Because it, because uh, when a slave came from Africa, he couldn't speak the language. He was totally untrained to do any any job at all that would fit in the, the civilization. Someone had to take care of him. Someone had to take care of him 24 hours a day. And it's pretty hard to, to do that unless you owned a person. So I think slavery just had to be in those early days. Mr. Hasty, what was life like in those early days? As far as the colored people were, con were concerned, I feel that they were a good bit happier than they are now. They had less in the way of material things. But I can remember back in the 20s, when I was a small boy, they were always singing at their work. They had a great sense of humor.
I thank God for the crack house. If it wasn't for the crack house, come on somebody, God wouldn't have never been able to use me how he can use me now. And if it wasn't for slavery, I might be somewhere in Africa worshiping a tree. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Today. Well, you just heard slavers talk about slavery in the South. And that was accompanied by old Susanna, the original lyrics. And that was concluded by Jacksonville, Florida State Rep, Kimberly Daniel, thanking God for slavery. Yes, it's going to be that type of program tonight. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major streaming platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Max Parthas. Peace, brother. Peace, Yusuf. I'm at the Park Coffee Abolitionist Center here in Sumter, South Carolina. And, uh, man, I will never sing Old Susanna again. <laughs> it changed my whole childhood. Uh-huh. <laughs> hearing the, hearing the, the lyrics there. Wow. So, yeah, it's going to be something tonight. So last week we were joined by New Hampshire activist, abolitionist, and healing justice organizer, Ophelia Burnett and New Hampshire State Representative Amanda Bolden. So for this week, if we had a nickel for every time someone told us that no one would argue in favor of slavery today, we'd be half rich, maybe even fully rich. People often make the mistake of believing that if you can't think like that, no one else would either. Nah, bruh. Let us tell you something. On this front line, We've heard pro-slavery arguments from state reps, you just heard one, and influencers all across this country. In Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio, Vermont, New Jersey, Oregon, California, North Carolina, and more. We're talking unbudging, shameless, hardcore, feet planted firmly arguments of all sorts with nary a care that it was all said out loud in public. You're going to hear some of that tonight. We've heard it, and we've counted argued against it in person as public testimony. We've heard it on Zoom meetings of official congressional and Senate hearings, and we've heard it from people with mass media platforms that reach millions. As a matter of fact, for this Sunday's episode of Abolition Today, we will present the 2023 pro-slavery perspective because there is one and it's hella loud and hella influential. Tom, you hear someone say nobody would argue in favor of keeping slavery legal? Tell them abolition today said yes, they have, and they will. And as always, we'll tie it together with some Great music, but, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to really call it great music tonight. <laughs> it's going to be hot. <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing. Some of the music is going to really move you today, but then you're going to be like, wait a minute, what did they say? And we'll bring the voices of the abolitionist ancestors back to life 
<laughs> well, like I said, it's going to be one of them shows. You'll make your own determination by the time we finish. So, Max, before we jump into tonight's topic, how was your brief, brother? And, yeah, well, I know you I, have a lot to say about that opening track, too. Yeah, yeah I would like to talk about that opening track um, for sure. <laughs> Uh, you know, first of all, it started off with the paternalism, right? So, you know, we got to take care of them. The only way you can manage these people is if you own them. Isn't that what he said? And and, and this was a, exactly a actual a slave owner from a slave-owning family talking about what he saw here with his own eyes when he was young in the South uh, on the plantation. So this is a, mm-hmm. a recording from like the 60s, I, I believe, that was unearthed. But it lets you know that this is how they felt. This is the paternalism. They don't think that slavery was morally wrong. They actually thought they was doing Negroes a favor. And in order to kind of nail that down, he says, you know, when I was a kid, I remember they were always singing. And they had wonderful senses of humor. But there's a reason why slaves, the enslaved, were always singing. It was because they were told to do so, so that they could be seen and heard. So they wouldn't be sneaking around trying to stab master in the back and kill him, you know? As a matter of fact, uh, Frederick Douglass said at one point that slave owners expected slaves to sing as well as to work. According to Frederick Douglass, make a noise was a phrase made by masters whenever slaves were silent. So if he didn't hear anybody, he'd be like, make a noise. Mm -hmm. They assumed, you know, we was always out to try to murder their asses like Nat Turner did, (laughs) you know? <laughs> right. Even a, there was even another quote I was reading from Frederick Douglass about that instance, and he says, uh, "I have been utterly astonished since I came to the North to find persons who would who could speak of the singing among slaves as evidence of their contentment and happiness. It is impossible to conceive of a greater mistake. Slaves sing most when they are most unhappy." The songs of the slaves represent the sorrows of his heart, at least such is my experience. And that was the man who was actually enslaved and was there uh, to tell you what was happening to his people. So that whole happy slave crap is another one of those pro-slavery arguments because, you know, if somebody owns you, you must be happy. You got a kind and gentle master. You must be happy. Just going to rape you every now and then breed you, sell your family off, you know, no big deal. They're still good people. And then the song, man, like I said, I'm never going to sing that song again. You know, I don't know what racists think they're doing, but this is like a habit of theirs. They would sneak in these racist songs, take out the most racist part so you don't realize it came from this song, and then put it out there like the national anthem or something, you know, like the third verse in in the anthem. Uh, same thing with this song. Also, the ice cream truck. Remember, we as kids grew up listening to that music, man. Watermelon man. That music exactly. And, yeah, That's right it. Out Watermelon there, man. It's embedded in our minds right now. Watermelon man. But the song was a racist ass song called "Nigga Love a Watermelon." We yeah, had exactly. no idea. <laughs> we had no right. idea. So yeah, that, and go ahead. yeah, carrying that narrative. So you and I covered the 10 reasons not to abolish slavery. I think it was back in season one or something like that. We covered that. And this is would be number four on the list, what they just covered here. The slaves right. are not capable of taking care of themselves. 
The idea was popular in the United States in the late 18th and early 19th centuries among people, such as George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, who regarded slavery as morally reprehensible, yet continued to hold slaves and to obtain personal services from them and income from the products these quote-unquote servants were compelled to produce. It would be cruel to set free people who would then at best fall into destitution and suffering. <laughs> and that comes, that was Robert Higgs, you know, when he gave his list of ten reasons not to abolish slavery. So that was number four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that, the same talk about that paternalism. We need to take care of them. It's the same arguments over and over again. They don't make no damn sense whatsoever, but to a slaver, this is their logic. And you should be familiar with their logic. That's why we want you to hear it in their own words. And I addressed this uh, week's audio up so nice, just like I would do any of our other audience or audios, so that, you know, you can still be vibing with it, but at the same time, remember, this is absolute genocidal lunacy that you're going to be hearing, and we're not talking about right. from 100 years ago, we're talking about just like recent people saying these things, some of the biggest influencers in the entire country. Um, now, as to how the week has been, uh, as always, man, we stay busy, you know, trying to get this thing mm-hmm. done, organizing these states, moving forward towards our January uh, launch that we're putting out. And um, we also are finishing up the production on the video that we put together out in Colorado. Uh, if everything goes well, we will be premiering the audio version of it here next week on our season finale. And the video will be available for consumption throughout all of social media. It's going to be pretty pretty awesome. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. That's um, dope. We're doing something that has never been done before, at least reading a speech that no one has ever recorded since the day it was spoken. And it is an incredibly important speech by Frederick Douglass. So, yeah, it's going to be definitely going to be hot. Yusuf? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that because – like you said, I mean, just that whole weekend was just so great, and that that video, you know, is like our living proof that it happened, that we were all there, you know, and, you know, I talk about it being in the, the archives, you know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, you know, people are going to be passing that around on, you know, maybe the 10th iteration of the Internet, <laughs> you know, so... uh the quantum yeah, I'm internet. glad we did it. There was one other part of that video I don't want to skip past, or that audio that we just heard in the opening, and that was Kimberly Daniels thanking God for slavery. Um, you know, she is, as you said, a representative out in Florida, and she's also on the committee to approve the new educational standards for the state of Florida, the ones where you're supposed to show both sides of the story when it comes to slavery and how slavery was beneficial to black people. So, you know, they've got skills and talents that they learn in slavery that they could use to make a life for themselves. <laughs> Even though the examples that they used were people who weren't actually enslaved, uh, amazingly so, apparently they don't know how to do research and their historians don't know to ask some hole in the ground. Um, but right. you know, we got people like Kimberly Daniels, who not only is thanking God for slavery, but goes so far as to disparage all of Africa because you know all Africans worship trees right that's what they, 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 they gather around in loincloths under trees 
praying to trees. That's what they do, right? And that's what she said right. she would have been doing. It's self-hate of a higher order, you know? Like, you believe the hype that they told you about Africa, that it's some savage no-man's land where you got tree worshipers and people eat monkeys for dinner. It's amazing how what kind of brainwashing goes into making a person make statements for that. But I guess that the the reasoning behind it was clarified when she said, thank God for crack, because you must still be on crack. Yeah, that too. <laughs> of all the things she could have thanked God for, she had to thank him for slavery and crack. Slavery and crack. That's you think all the things you could thank God for, you thanking him for slavery and crack. And then preaching it to an entire um church. And then taking that same ideology with you into the halls of politics in Florida mm-hmm. to the point where now you're influencing what the children are learning. So the children are gonna learn that, you know, Africans worship trees and crack is good because crack will help you get out of things. Mm. Amazing. Wow. So, yeah, I got a, a few good ones lined up for y'all tonight, like I said. Um, and I'm getting, we're getting prepared for next week, too. Uh, we are, this is our next to last program for season four. Like season four, yeah. damn. Yeah. Well, we're about to wrap it up. And, uh, We'll be off air for a couple of months, so through November and December, and then we'll come back January with season five. Uh, we have done some work, man. We, we made some impacts this mm-hmm. year, that's for sure, including what we're doing tonight. Um, people have said it to us here on air and off air, and it's true. Like, where else are you going to hear something like this? Where else? <laughs> you know? Where we go into such detail and depth. Right, right, and 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 we may even have some of them call in. <laughs> like this is their chance to air it out. We may get that. Well, I got enough of those voices already lined up for tonight, man. You know, it was traumatic just listening to this nonsense. I have an entire playlist of pro-slavery arguments and discussions from all kinds of people. You know, like um. Candace Owens talking about how black people need to take responsibility for slavery. Like, you did you really say that? Yeah, that's what she said. Yes, she said black it. people need to take responsibility for slavery, um, uh, and, and more from politicians, preachers, social media, you name it. Um, matter of fact, you just heard something from an original enslaver himself uh, talking about how they he felt in regards to. Slavery being immoral and being moral and legal and ethical, uh, but we've got other voices lined up that we're going to share throughout tonight. Um, man, who knows? Maybe we should just. Oh, wait a minute. We got a, a caller already in. <laughs> All right. Before we get into our first of our tracks that we're going to be sharing tonight, you want to take this call? Yeah, because if it's who I think it is, I mean, it's, I think it's going to, you know, uh, feed right into the show. All right, four nine five three. Who do you, uh, abolition who do you today. Think? Who do you think who, it is? Uh, who is it? Welcome back, brother. <laughs> no, you know I'm glad to hear you uh, bring these out, and I'm glad that the person in Florida is doing what they're doing because they're telling both sides of the story. Because the story has been that whites went into Africa and stole people. That just ain't true. It's not logistically true. And 
Actually, Africa taught the world slavery. Why is that, you ask? Mm-hmm. Well, don't they say that's where civilization began? And slavery was through all civilization. Even Abraham had slaves when he left to go to Haran. He took his uh, possessions and his souls. Who you, was you, soul? You're talking was about soul a whole different slavery. We're talking about chattel slavery. Chattel slavery chattel was not slavery, a universal chattel thing. Chattel slavery, chattel slavery existed in Africa. Where, too. where? Well, let's say in what was called Mona Mapapa or the Ghana area. Ghana you had, had chattel slavery, you said? Yes, you had five different kinds in Ghana. You had everything from the pond. The pond is that if you if you uh if you owe somebody some money, then you let them have say one of your sons to work it off. Yeah, that's called that indentured servitude. That's not slavery. That's no, indentured no, servitude. No, they had five they had five different by de- by the de- very definition that's indentured servitude. Well, you know, I t- my wife is, is A-way from the Volta region in Ghana, and her family tells the story, and even Ghanaian historians. They even had Portuguese slaves, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Portuguese was called and was, was enslaved. So, so you agree and, with the opening statements that slavery is not immoral and that it was necessary to own people in order to civilize them and make them better people? You agree with you well, agree with that? I don't believe I don't believe in the idea of going to other parts of the world and call yourself civilizing somebody because they got a right to live like they want to. You go down in the Amazon, you have tribes down there that live so called primitive and that's what leave them alone. That's what they want. I tell you a place right off the coast of India on the Adaman Island, the Jawara. They have the oldest genes on the planet that have not been Amalgamated, and they live like they've been living for ever since whoever, and that's their business. You you remind me of Pastor John MacArthur, but I I, I don't want to get too much deeper into this conversation just yet. What I want to do is pro- probably something that you're you're going to appreciate is I want to play uh, one of the. Uh, well, let me. I'm act- gonna end with this. I I appreciate the angles that you're throwing out there. They need it, and they're factual. A lot of them. I haven't heard you before. If I have, I, I don't remember. But it's good to, to put things out there like what you said with Frederick W. said. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. And when Robert E. Lee and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Isaac fall John Brown's attempt to go out and kill men, women, and children, that was a good idea, too. But uh, you guys have a pleasant day, and, uh, you know, I have no problem with it. Thank All you right. So much. Peace, brother. Hey, yeah, thank what you I'm going to do, then, we're going to go ahead and hear from Give, uh, let me, let me just say something real quick before you do that, Max. All I right, just want to say that we want to thank him for doing number two on the list. Remember that we have this list of ten, right? So <laughs> yeah. we can cross off number. We can cross off number two. Slavery has always existed. That's the second argument. So we can yeah. thank him for that. And that is definitely a big argument. People misconstrue uh, what we experienced in chattel slavery. <laughs> with slavery that's happened all across the globe. Um, people weren't born and, and didn't die. The children weren't born as slaves. That's not how it worked in um, almost all the way across the globe. If there was something new for Europeans and here in the Americas, as well as the islands. 
But in any case, let's go ahead and get to our next clip. It's from Anthony Brian Logan out of Tennessee. He's a political commentator and an award-winning YouTube personality with over 100 million total channel views, a million followers. He's going to be talking about his perspective when Kanye West started talking about how the 13th Amendment was a trapdoor and it needed to be abolished because it allowed for slavery. So let's go ahead and get into hearing the next argument, which comes from social media, uh, from Anthony Brian Logan, his pro-slavery argument. You'll also be hearing some music behind that, which is some fire music. That is a slave-type beat from a brother by the name of Crispy, K-R-Y-S-P-Y. Uh, we'll make sure that his YouTube page is available on our page so you can check out other of his music. That's going to be followed by a very popular song that's out right now from Buddy Brown. It's called, If This Country Still Had Balls. Um, we are taking it there tonight, man. So you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Tonight is the pro-slavery argument. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Abolition. 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 Now you out here picking cotton like the rest of them. First of all, I can agree on certain things and disagree on other things and not hate you as a person. You know, this is called people being different and having different points of view. The reason why I said you should not abolish it is because I agree with the clause in there that Kanye West is not. Let's read the amendment in question and then we'll break it down. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Now what does that mean? That means slavery has been abolished. That was back in the 1860s. But if you are a criminal, if you've been convicted, if you're in a penitentiary, jail, or whatever, you can be a slave. That's why you got people working in there for a dollar a day or something like that. It's because of the 13th Amendment. So I knew what Kanye West meant right away. He meant, let's take out the part in there that says, except as a result of being convicted of a crime. Let's have slavery be totally wiped away. But even in a place like TMZ, which he's been so gracious to over the past few days, weeks, months, or whatever, they put out a headline talking about Kanye West wants to abolish 13th Amendment, which outlaws slavery. So people reading that, they think that Kanye West wants to bring slavery back because he wants to abolish the 13th Amendment, but that's not what it is. All right. Even a person like Ava DuVernay, who made a documentary about the amendment, which says that you can be a slave again in jail spoke out against Kanye you should be supporting the man but I guess your political affiliation comes even beyond your own personal interest okay you should support him because this statement kind of you know validates your particular piece of artwork or whatever you want to call it your documentary 13th but we see how deranged and crazy liberals are They'll be so far into their ideology, they'll miss things that will even help themselves. So I disagree with it because I think that the clause should be in there as a deterrent. If you don't want to be a slave again, don't sign up for it. Don't commit crime. 
Cry me a river If you want to be out here Slanging dope Beating up old ladies or whatever And then you get sent to the penitentiary And you gotta shovel horse manure Or press license plates for a dollar every two days Then so be it That was your choice to get into a life of crime Now that doesn't mean I think everything up under the sun Should be illegal There should be some reform there You shouldn't just be able to get locked up For just any old random thing You know But at the same time If you're out here committing crime Harming people, harming yourself or whatever Making society more dangerous And you get sent to the penitentiary I think that clause in 13th Amendment Would be good to have in there To prevent you from recidivizing And prevent you from coming there In the first place If I know that when I get sent to the penitentiary Not only will it be dangerous But I'll be a slave again Maybe I won't commit crime Maybe I'll try to figure out something else in my life What did you say nigga? Strange man walks in holding his gun He kills somebody and he's on the run Out the door and into the busy street Cops chase him round town for an hour or two Go back home, he's on the evening news They tell us it's alright, we got him in custody Maybe it's me, but I'm scratching my head Wondering why that SOB ain't dead When everyone knows it's him, why should we wait? It's time we go back to hanging them high Let's light the torches in the middle of the night Somewhere along the way, we've gotten way too soft We don't need a jury when we see what he's done Just feel the gallows and wait for the sun It's a vigilante's loaded up with justice for all If this country still had balls My tax money pays for nice hot meals For a killer locked up making more appeals He can get right back out and do it all again Now I ain't saying that a man can't change But you can't tell right from wrong these days Unless we send a message they won't forget It's time we go back to hanging them high Let's light the torches in the middle of the night Somewhere along the way we've gotten way too strong We don't need a jury when we see what he's done Just build the gallows and wait for the sun It's a vigilante's loaded up with justice for all But if he don't choose to, we better still have plan B. So it's time we go back to hanging them high. Let's light the torches in the middle of the night. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten way too soft. We don't need a jury when we see what he's done. Just build the gallows and wait for the sun. Get the vigilante loaded up for justice for all. This country still has balls. If this country still has balls. Abolition. 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 Ab
you just heard Anthony Bryan Logan's pro-slavery argument, and that was accompanied by a slave-type beat by Crispy, K-R-Y-S-P-Y, and Buddy Brown, if this country still had balls. And we can thank them both for that because we can cross off number eight on the list. Without <laughs> slavery, the former slaves would run amok, stealing, raping, killing, and generally causing mayhem. Same so, story over and over again. Yeah. Oh, by the way, welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parfis and Yusuf Hassan. And, yeah, the list just keeps on going. You know, the same argument. We, we, we heard them before and we're hearing them again. Max? Oh, man, there's so much there to unpack. Um, first of all, as I said, Anthony Brian Logan has 100 million views on his page and a million followers. And this is what you're telling them. It's the whole, you know, I agree. I know exactly what you guys are talking about with this 13th Amendment. I understand it. And still, I disagree with you. I think, if this is his perspective, that slavery is a wonderful deterrent. What do you say? It's good to put it in there. He even pointed out our flaws, because these flaws do exist. And I don't understand it, because I've said it myself multiple times on this show. Where the hell mm-hmm. is Ava DuVernay? Where is Ava DuVernay? Didn't you do right. the 13th film? Where are you? This states all across the country right now doing exact, actually bringing an answer, a conclusion to the question you brought out, and you got nothing to say. The only time you had something to say was when you was berating Kanye West, who was the one that was actually right. Oh my God! So you know he was right on that. There's some things where he sounds like a reasonable person, reasonable per- person. Until he gets to right. the part about how slavery would be a hell of a good deterrent to uh, crime. And, you know, like the singer who came after him, Buddy Brown, mm-hmm. both of them live in a patriarchal society. So for them, the only people who go to prison are men. And uh, the only people who commit crimes or are charged with crimes are men. And it's okay to right. go out and, you know, do this damage to the savage black man because he's a savage black man. But you know, we got Mm -hmm. women in prison too. We got children in prison too. You're going to hang them high. Are you going to do that? You're going to go get the torches for the 12 year old. Uh, Is that your plan? Or for the woman? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what he wants. So uh, that's, that's what he was saying. And as I said, the patriarchy is there for both. And that song, man, the song is hot. You be bobbing your head to it until you hear mm-hmm. what the hell they're saying. They're talking about some KKK-ish type activity right after Reconstruction uh, when black people got the right to vote through the 15th Amendment. And what did they do? Because here in South Carolina, half of our Congress people were black in 1871, mm-hmm. I believe. And then they started murdering them, burning the houses down, uh, accusing them of crimes they never committed. You know, and Emmett tilling everybody in sight, uh, and that's what you're saying you want to do, right? This is this is a popular song heard across all of the internet. We're saying it's time to go back to hanging them high, to light the torches in the middle of the night, and forget about right. the judges. You know whether or not somebody's a guilty. 
You don't need nobody else to tell you if somebody's guilty. Just go on out and hang them. And the only thing you're going to wait for is what? The the dawn. Wait for the sunlight. That's wait all you're going to do. You're going to wait That's for the all. sun. Because <laughs> you're going to die at, at dawn. It's mind-blowing. It's to think. And I mean, this, this, this isn't some song from, like, the 1920s. This song is from 2014. Right. Yeah, you know, this is a recent song, you know, for those that are wondering. This is this is a mentality that's there now. Right now. And you can hear a lot of the phrases coming from the former president. A lot of that he was saying himself. Yeah. When we were strong, when we were, we were badasses back when America was great. <laughs> when was America right. great? When you were doing this. That's when you were great. That's what you feel like. That was the great time when you would just have malicious go out like they did Ahmad Aubrey and hunt him down and kill him, right? That's that's the great part of America. Him. Hunt him down and kill him. So that's what they want to be able to do. That's why they, you know, you see what happens. We go places, and some people think they have a right to stop other people, and the people have to prove they belong where they are. You could be in your own driveway, sitting on your own porch, sitting in your car, walking down the street, minding your business. And some people want to go back to being able to is stopping you, and you have to have your freedom papers on you. It was the same thing going on today, man. That dehumanization process that you hear, that whole narrative is very much being reflected right now in the Israel and Gaza conflict that's happening, uh, where people are being dehumanized, uh, called animals and savages. And, their lives are worthless because, you know, you could just have what they're calling the uh, collective punishment and affect men, women, and children uh, out of your rage and destroy people and aim for, call for, like American presidential candidates like Nikki Haley, who was formerly the South Carolina governor, is calling for mm-hmm. them to be wiped out. You, you're calling for people to be wiped out because they're worthless. All of them are just worthless. And uh, you want to kill them all so that you could do what? Yeah, this is not right. going to end well. That's not going to end well. And the argument that I heard earlier, you know, I hear that argument so often. Uh, people always want to talk about two sides to the story. Except, of course, when you're talking about accountability for crimes against humanity, like slavery and genocide, then there's suddenly good people on both sides, you know. And both sides right. of the story must be told. Because the enslaved weren't all good, them damn Africans in Ghana, the, so the enslaved Africans weren't all that good people, and the enslavers hey, check, weren't check all your mic bad for, people. Check your mic for a second, Max. Check your mic. Testing, testing one, two. Can yeah, you hear me? It's skipping a little bit. Keep talking. All right. I just reset it. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like skipping all of a sudden. But this is the norm for Sundays. We're used to this. We used to it. The mic goes out, the internet so, goes out, the power goes out. We're used to this by now. So they're saying that both sides of the story must be told because the enslaved weren't all good people and the enslavers weren't all bad people. And those subject to genocide asked for it because they were savages, you know. And, it, it, isn't that what our caller said when he called in? Yeah. I'm glad you guys are telling the other side. The other those are the exact words. And uh, that the slavers became manthes because how else would these barbarians become civilized? They see it like they did us a favor. They helped the enslaved people be better. 
It's like, right, we're expected to be stupid. You know, it's uh, it's it's really sad because here we were only a couple of minutes into the show, and it was sort of like we get a call already telling, hey, well, exactly what we're saying is out there is really what's out there. You know, in every track that you hear this evening, you're going to hear the same narratives. We can we can tell you what the people are going to say before you even hear them say it. But yeah, we want you to we hear it for history. That's because yeah. we studied history. We know exactly what the enslavers have always been saying. It's the same old argument um, over and over again. And it's not something you can easily change someone's mind on. It's not like they're crazy or anything. You heard Brian, uh, Anthony Brian Logan. He sounds like a reasonable person. Um, if we right. could have prevented the Civil War by sending over an army of therapists, we would have done it. But that wouldn't have worked. The only way he was able to stop then was with a literal civil war. And I'm in the place where the first shots were fired. The first to secede and the last to come back. Right. And be the last to abolish slavery. You know, I say that all the time. That South Carolina is going to be last. All of these southern states are a problem, a big problem. Um, We managed to sneak that in through Alabama, but Tennessee came with some concessions to the for-profit prisons. Uh, Louisiana has lost twice now, and they're open with their stuff. Like, they'll talk it right out loud, say all the all their secret parts out loud, right, in the Senate and in the Congress. They voted twice to keep slavery in the state of Louisiana. Okay. Um, Florida okay, is a big gotta, problem. We got we to gotta get your mic fixed, Max. I'm going to have to just call in. No, you're good right there. I don't know what you just did, but it fixed it. I don't know. I was just talking. <laughs> it was it. Yeah. Okay. I guess they stopped messing with us. <laughs> but go on, brother. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um. No, man. Uh, you go ahead and carry it on. Let me check this mic. All right. Well, the mic is doing good. You know, but one thing that I want to, like, inject in there, when they talk about – so one of the things you're going to always hear when they want to enter their pro-slavery argument, it tells you – well, they tell you who they think is in prison. So the first thing they're going to always say is rapists, murderers. You know, that's what they're going to tell you, the overall population. Everybody is in jail for rape and murder, child rapists, murderers. They're going to murder your kids. This was part of the super predator argument, all of these things. Recently, uh, so October 2nd marks the 10th annual wrongful conviction day. And according to the Innocence Network, uh, since 1989, there have been over 3,320 wrongful convictions across the U.S. And they say experts estimate that between 2% and 5% of the nearly 2 million people in prison in the U.S. They said nearly 2 million, but we know it's about 2.5 million were wrongfully convicted, meaning that anywhere from 40,000 to 100,000 people are wrongfully incarcerated at this moment. So you have all these people that are sitting in prison right now that are wrongfully convicted, completely innocent, but to these people, they're rapists, they're murderers, they're child rapists, all of these things, Max. Okay, I'm not hearing anything from you right now. 
We're having a little issue with Mike's micro Max's microphone right now. But uh let's see, brother Curtis with his hand up. So let me bring uh Curtis Davis in on the line. What's going on, brother? Hey, how you doing, man? Hello, abolitionist today family. It's good that everybody is here tonight. And the the biggest thing that I took from what Brother Yusuf just said tonight is something that I always would say when I was in prison. So um, there are over um, 2.5 million people locked up in the United States right now. We know for sure that it's impossible to be 100% right. So if we had 10% of the people, if if they were right 90% of the time, that means that there are 250,000 people that are incarcerated right now that are incarcerated unjustly, that are innocent of the crimes that they've been um, um, presumed to be uh, committed. But if there were only 1% of the people, then that's 25,000 people that are in prison right now that are innocent of the crimes that they're accused of being, uh, that they have committed. So we have to be vigilant. We have to be serious because this is the injustice just um, as um, Justice Thomas uh, uh, Thurgood Marshall said, that um, even if one person basically was innocent, we would have to really turn up the whole justice system to make it right for that one person. So 25,000 people or a quarter of a million people, um, you, you are so right, um, Yusuf. Thank you for making that point. Because our brothers and sisters and children are dying in these prisons, and everybody didn't even commit the crime. So thanks for that. Peace. Peace, brother. Now, back, I think we have way. Brother Max back next. You back, right, Max? Yeah, um, although I had a couple people tell me they could hear me fine, so it might have been on your end where I was disappearing. But nonetheless, I called in on the cell just to be able to be certain. Okay, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's been rough just putting this program together because, you know, I had to listen to all of these different conversations. Uh, uh, a few of my friends did the same thing. They let me know. They said they listened to damn near the whole playlist uh, just to, you know, hear where they were coming from. I, I try to put myself in people's shoes, and that's how I know that this is absolute lunacy. Like, it's sociopathic uh understandings. It's genocidal thought. And as I said earlier, I see this being reflected in today's society with things we see in international circumstances, not to mention right here in America as well. Uh, You know, these types of narratives seem to be embedded. And I believe that's because of um, the, the old adage describes it best that those who do not study history are doomed to Mm -hmm. I always say who do study history are doomed to report it, which is where we're at. We got to report the repeaters. We're here telling you about the people who are saying the same damn thing those who came before them said, uh, with hardly any difference in the narrative at all. It's almost as if it had been emblazoned into their head, uh, you know, in some kind of huge, you know, what, what are you using, pokers or the hot pokers, just put it in your head. This narrative you're going to carry, whether you understand it or believe it or not, you will adopt it. And that's what they're doing. So we heard the one from the media with Anthony Brian Logan and his pro-slavery argument. 
We also heard a little of the past with an original actual enslaver talking about his happy slaves who were singing and dancing and laughing. Um, Mm -hmm. There's more. There's the religious side to it, which is a huge, huge part of the narrative. You know, the justification through um, Ham's, the curse of Ham, the curse of Cain, Mm -hmm. um, the so-called translations that say slaves obey your masters, um, mm-hmm. Where you know what I've heard from some theological experts saying is that the way they were speaking about that is because slavery existed all around them, and they were talking about how to deal with it at the time. It was an endorsement of slavery. And then I also heard other experts say that this is a mistranslation, and what they were saying was servants obey your masters, not uh, slaves. Uh, nonetheless, these have all been used as tools to justify the enslavement of Africans and the genocide and land theft of Native Americans. And it's a global argument that they've been adopted and been using all over the place. Yusuf? You're absolutely right. And uh, it, it's one of the uh, strongest points that they that they go to. Well, you, you, you alluded to it. We say it's like the most common or very popular because – uh, after they say it's always existed, then they say, well, slavery is even in the Bible. And there are so many. Just going down this list, you see how many are trying to justify slavery through religion, and especially uh, through Christianity. There's so many on this list. I'm sorry, say that again? Kimberly Daniels, Representative Kimberly Daniels, did exactly. it at the very beginning. Thank God exactly. for slavery. You know, there's a but, whole uh, clip there of this guy, Alex O'Connor, how the Bible supports slavery. It's 23 minutes long. 23 minutes long. Uh, I got one that I picked out the bunch because I thought it represented the leadership of today's Christian church. Um, mm-hmm. This particular person is a Calvinist. I'm trying to pull up his... Uh, his bio I put in here earlier today. Uh, he's a Calvinist, and his name is Pastor John MacArthur. Right now he's about 83 years old. Uh, he's one of the most influential Christian leaders in America. Uh, I checked his uh, net worth, and as of last year, he was worth $15 million. He's published over 150 books. So this is a person whose name garners a lot of respect. And it blew my mind because I've listened mm-hmm. to him a couple of times myself. He's famous for saying, don't listen to these false teachers. But he's a false right. teacher himself. And I famous had to sit here and listen to this man explain how he thinks slavery is just fine. I- I'm going to let you all hear it. So it's not me giving you his story. He's telling you in his own words what he thinks, one of the most influential Christian pastors in America. And that's going to be followed by white man, by queen. And Arizona Senator Tom Cotton will be also included, where he's saying that slavery is a necessary evil. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition Abolition. 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 Here's John MacArthur talking about slavery. 
It is a little strange that um, we have such an aversion to slavery uh, because historically there have been abuses. There have been abuses in marriage. We don't have an aversion to marriage. There are parents who abuse their children. We don't have an aversion to having children because some parents have been abusive benefits. For many people, poor people, perhaps people who weren't educated, perhaps people who had no other opportunity, working for a gentle, caring, loving master was the best of all possible worlds. If you had the right master, everything was taken care of. Take a more honest look at slavery and understand that God has, in a sense, legitimized it when it's handled correctly by saying this is the way you're to view your relationship to Jesus Christ. Yikes. Notice importantly that he's not just referring to a specific kind of Old Testament slavery that Christians sometimes try to defend, but slavery simpliciter. He doesn't understand why people are bothered by slavery as a concept. For MacArthur, slavery is inextricably connected to the gospel itself. As he's written, the Bible is abundantly clear. Slavery is the heart of what it means to be a true Christian. for describing slavery as a, quote, necessary evil. In an interview attacking a New York Times project reframing U.S. history around the consequences of slavery, here's the quote given to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. 
We have to study the history of slavery and its role and impact on the development of our country because otherwise we can't understand our country. As the founding father said, it was the necessary evil upon which the Union was built. But the Union was built in a way, and Lincoln said, to put slavery on the course to its ultimate extinction. The interview is part of the Republican senator's plans for a bill to withhold federal tax money from school districts that teach the 1619 Project, which was published last August. was the necessary evil upon which the union was built. Abolition. 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 Wow. So you just heard Pastor John Fullerton MacArthur Jr. thinking that slavery is fine. And of course, that's accompanied by white men, by Queen. And we want to thank Senator or Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton for saying. Slavery is a necessary evil. Number three on the list, the unspoken corollary mm-hmm. is that every society must have slavery. So we thank him for checking that box off for us. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. And that's the narrative that's out there, one of the many narratives as to why slavery is necessary. It's It's like... Well, Max, you know, you know the Bible. I'm not a Christian, so I can't speak to it. But uh, I want to pose the question to you. How does that make you feel when you hear someone using the Bible in that in that context? You know, um, if they really want to follow Jesus, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then all you have to do is do what Jesus came here to do. And when they asked him what he was here for, he was very clear about it. He came to restore sight to the blind, to free the enslaved, to set the prisoners free, This was, and to bring the gospel. This was his checklist of shit to do from Jesus Christ himself. 
So I don't mm. know how anybody could possibly say they are uh, that Jesus is their Lord, and yet they feel that slavery is not only a necessary evil, not only uh, moral, but it's actually fine. And we are doing it wrong. We're using it wrong. So he said in the beginning, complain about slavery, but you have marriages where there's people are being abusive, and you don't uh, denounce all marriages. You have parenting where some of the parents are abusive, and you don't denounce all parenting. So you're just doing it wrong. If you don't enslave them, you've got to be a kind and gentle master to enslave them. But slavery is at the heart of everything he's teaching. It's 150 books, a huge following, uh, incredible amounts of respect, and enough money that I would not be able to spend it if I tried for the rest of my life. That's the man who is influencing much of the Christian right saying this. And I don't know how anybody black or white, could sit there and listen to that and think that this is okay, right. that this, you right. know, you got to give him a buy because he's a, he's John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur. you got to give him a buy. You know what I mean? He's brilliant, he, and he teaches us so much. But that's the heart of his teaching. It's so well accepted. you got people like Tom Cotton saying, well, we had to have it. It was a necessary evil. Yusuf? Yeah, it's 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 really crazy just thinking about it. Just when you start running down 150 books, well, that's a lot of books, Matt. That's a lot, a of, lot books. of books. 150 books, 15 million dollars in assets. So that's a lot of people spending their money, you know, supporting him to push him forward with what he's teaching. It's, it's scary. If uh, scary. anybody wants to join the conversation tonight, the number is 515-605-9814. 515-605-9814. Remember to press the one on your keypad so that we know you have a question or a comment. I know a few people told me they were going to be listening in tonight, and uh, I wouldn't mind hearing their opinions on this as well. I see we do have one more call, caller with your hand up. I'm going to bring you in. Yeah. Uh, I recognize the number. I know you are friends with the other brother that came out earlier. All I'm asking is that you be gentle with us. Uh, not tonight, okay? <laughs> Just be gentle with us. It will be gentle in so, return. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, 1111, you're calling from online. You are on Abolition Today. Well, you may recognize the number, but I'm sure it's a different person that you were expecting. My name's Joe. I've called into your program before, and that was some months ago. But what I'd like to know now is this. Um, I, didn't I didn't know, and I couldn't fathom how people of today, senators and congressmen of, of the 21st century in the United States Congress, would actually say that slavery today <clears throat> is not only necessary but good if you have a website that will publish a link to their particular sayings I might appreciate it where the politicians are saying that slavery is good yeah that's what you were saying tonight if I understood hey, you yeah, yeah it should be on our abolition today um, page on Facebook it's an entire playlist full of stuff like that 
Uh, when you can mm-hmm. find oh, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on any social media. And I went to abolitiontoday.org. Oh, that's Joe. Okay. Yeah, Joe, welcome back. I remember you, you now. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, when you said you're not on social media, I'm like, okay, I know who this is. Yeah, that's me. Oh. Uh, the, every, you, you know, the internet the, at all? Uh, no. Uh-uh. I'm not on Facebook, Instagram. Um, not even to go to like a library or something because... You can Google it, and I mean, this, this this stuff comes right up. Like, this isn't hidden stuff. This is all done out in plain sight. Like, you don't have to have oh, some it? secret code to some room in the in the in the bottom of some chapel in the middle of the woods somewhere. <laughs> no, this stuff is readily available, being broadcast to the world. We heard right, quite I, a bit I, of it. I thought that Max was going to publish. Um, um, the sayings of the uh, of the senators and the congressmen. So I wanted to know if there was a website that I could visit. I had put them out on video and audio, and we played a few of them here on the program. Uh, we're going to play one tonight, as a matter of fact, from Representative Brian Stewart out of Ohio, uh, arguing for slavery just uh, this year. Uh, so yeah. you'll hear that here on the program okay. tonight. All right. But we but have if you a, have more, if you have a collection of more, because I can't believe that <laughs> I really can't. Not even the followers of Joe Biden. I can't believe that people today are actually going to believe that people are going to accept that particular narrative where they say that slavery should be brought back. Slavery was good back then. It's good now. Uh, I have to, I want to listen to yeah. it because I just yeah, I'm, I think I'm in the twilight zone anyway sometimes. So this will just That's be that's how we feel. <laughs> and, you know, unlike most, I've actually heard them say it in person, where I was there right. as one of the people giving testimony uh, where they had these pro-slavery oh. arguments that came out in Louisiana, uh, in New Jersey, uh, in California. It, it blew mm-hmm. my mind that if I could do that in this day and age. So when I hear people say they won't do it, I'm oh. like, you – Yes, they they have done it already, and they're going to keep doing it. They're getting even better at it now. They're really? fixing oh. their language so it's more acceptable to people. So they'll focus, for instance, on involuntary servitude, and they'll say things like, uh, shouldn't child molesters be, have to be able to make license plates? You don't want us to have child molesters making license plates? Is that what you want? <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I heard, I heard the argument about, and that was a stupid argument, but one of the people that you played, I think it was the reverend, who said, well, just because, you know, you have uh, abusive husbands, abusive spouses, and, mm-hmm. you know, that should we abolish um, marriage and stuff like that? I mean, you talk about the lack of critical thinking. In, in any case... Uh, Max, you say you're on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but if you ever decide to put it up on our website, um, make sure that it's not hosted by um, Amazon, because Amazon hosts 95% of the websites that are out there, which means it can be taken down even though you're paying for it. So if you can right. find a website that's hosted by somebody other than Amazon, have you have Okay. Uh, if well, you if you have the website, I'd like to go to it. Yes, go to abolishslavery.us, abolishslavery.us, and look under resources. You'll see our full list of playlists, and that's one of the playlists right there. Abolishslavery.us. Okay, good. Thanks. All right, guys, I'll let you get back to your show. See, it wasn't the Okay, good talking to you again, Joe. I'm glad, man. (laughs) I'm glad, Joe, because, you know, (laughs) it's hard enough putting this stuff together throughout the week and having to hear this insanity. You know what I mean? 
But yeah, they had it live thrown yeah, in your I, face. Uh, I, uh, I, I can't believe it because I don't care if, if slavery was supposedly gentle. You're still taking somebody away from their family, their environment, and putting them into another environment in which they did not concede, they did not want to give up their freedom. And even if they found that the particular environment that they're now in is more gentle than they expected, the people who enslaved them aren't going to let them go. They're not going to say, well, you know what, we're so gentle, we're so kind, and we're so sorry that we've enslaved you that go ahead, right. go ahead, walk out the door. You know, they're not going to do that. If you decided to leave your kind master, much like uh, the uh, former slave of George Washington, trying to get past the slave catchers ain't so gentle. You can't just up and leave. <laughs> you know? No, you got this but we're gentle You know? Hmm? Uh, all right. So slavery, oh, I forgot the name already. Can you say it? Slave? Uh, it's called abolishslavery.us. Abolishslavery.us. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to yeah. go there now before my memory forgets because I have undiagnosed ADD. So I'll, I'll talk to you guys another time. All right. All Take right, care and enjoy your weekend. Thanks for calling in. Sure. Bye bye. Yeah, he feels like us. Like he can't believe it, but you know, it is what it is. Whether you we it, want to believe so it or not, it's is life. real. And, 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 you know, going back to that last clip when the preacher was talking, when he was talking about, you know, it was almost like luck of the draw or, you know, whoever gets, you know, the short stick or, you know, or flipping cards or something, some type of, like, stroke of luck. If you come across a good enslaver, then it's going to be okay for you because you're going to do well. You're going to have be well fed and treated right. Which, of course, is number 10 on the list, you know, um, uh, where it says a far better plan is to keep the slaves sufficiently well-fed, clothed, housed, and occasionally entertained, <laughs> you know, so it also fits into that narrative as well. I remember playing here on Abolition Today, uh, Frederick Douglass's, uh book, with, of course, with Ozzie Davis reading it. And he was talking about how January 1st was the day all the enslaved on the place plantation got together on New Year's Day where they would often be traded. And they would be hoping that they would get ex-master or some would be bragging about their master, you right. know, and comparing right. masters because you were about to be separated from your family and you're hoping that you don't go to some brutal rapist murdering thug. Instead, you got the guy that just wanted to pet you every now and then, like a little doggy. You know, as long mm. as you did what you had to do. Uh, so, yeah, mm. it reminded me of that. Uh, and that would happen every January 1st in the antebellum South, where they would gather my plantations and separate the families. And they had to make the mo- most of it, you know. This was a time where this was a fact of life for people, it's, and they had to adopt to it. so crazy. Just the thought of this is just so crazy. But, uh, Wow. What happened? You promised them this guy, Ohio's uh, Brian yeah, Stewart. I, I want to give it a few minutes, though. We got some time we got to cover, so I'll give it a few minutes. We'll get to it not too long from now. I want to talk a little bit more about Senator Cotton. Uh, you know, he's always been, to me, uh, a very racist-leaning person. Uh, he's of the mindset of what we just heard from the last couple of clips. And there's a 
article in CNN Politics where he talks about why he felt this way in regards to the 1619 project. He said, uh, it says that last week, Cotton called the 1619 project a racially divisive, revisionist account of history that denies the noble principles of freedom and equality on which our nation was founded. Not a single cent of federal funding should go to indoctrinate young Americans with this left-wing garbage. Though the founding fathers were divided on the issue of slavery, with some of them having owned slaves and others being opposed to it, there doesn't appear to be a record of any of them arguing slavery in the U.S. was a necessary evil. Well, that's the commentator's uh, paragraph that followed up after Cotton's thing. But, yeah, they didn't talk about it as no necessary evil. That's some shit you were made up. That's some new stuff is a necessary evil. And this whole revisionist idea is they were just showing the history how America came to be beginning in 1619 with the 1619 mm-hmm. Project. Not 1776, uh, but 1619. And he was one of those people who felt like the state shouldn't get any money if this is what they're teaching in the schools. Instead, they came out with another one. I think it was called the 1776 Project, which went on, to, as most do, to whitewash the history and the horrors of slavery in the United States. Yusuf? Yeah, and it's so crazy because – so. You know, the move that he he did, he came up with the Saving American History Act. That was his idea of how we can stop all of these, and I guess he's calling them anti-American projects, where if you're talking about America's true history, then it's not really American history. So he's saying saving American history by getting rid of this 1619 project and projects like it that teach about slavery, you know, and it's crazy because he talks about, uh, you know, of course, he's always going to go to Lincoln. They love bringing up Lincoln. You know, they say, you know, Lincoln, you know, had slavery like going on its course to ultimate extinction, but we forget. So there's a clear letter that he wrote to uh, Horace Greeley that Lincoln wrote. And Lincoln, in in these couple of sentences, really lays out what he thought about slavery. So he said, I would save the Union. I would save it the shortest way under the Constitution. The sooner the national authority can be restored, the nearer the Union will be the Union as it was. If there be those who would not save the Union unless they could at the same time save slavery, I do not agree with them. If there be those who would not save the Union unless they could at the same time destroy slavery, I do not agree with them. My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union and is not either to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others, I would also do that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps to save this union and what I forbear, and I forbear because I do not believe it would help save the union. That's the great emancipator, as they always refer to him. But he's clearly saying in this letter to Horace Greeley, 
and Horace Greeley was uh uh was what which newspaper? Uh he started the New York Tribune newspaper. But he was also a US House representative. And this is the letter that Abraham Lincoln wrote to him April twenty second, eighteen sixty two. Max? Yeah, Lincoln Lincoln was very clear about where he felt in pecking order for the white man when it came to race. Um, he was the first, listening to Lincoln was the first time I'd ever heard somebody declare themselves a white supremacist. <laughs> he was saying when it comes to the supremacy uh, of the races, I'm in favor of the, my own race being in uh, the supreme race. So, uh, And he was a great betrayer on a number of occasions. He tried to sell us out at one point. He was talking uh, to the Southerners and told them if they laid their arms down, they could keep slavery for like another seven years. So it would be a gradual right. thing uh, that they would do, and they refused to do that. Like, you're going to keep people enslaved for another 70 years as a negotiation tool. So that's all the slavery was to him. It seemed, you know, he was opposed to it, or he, he, was, he wasn't happy with it, but he had no intention of making it the main thing. That happened without right. his say-so. People like Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and uh, John Brown and all those others, they made sure that it was front and center, doing much like what we're doing right now, where there's always something more important than ending slavery. And, you know, Tom Cotton Cotton said this was a necessary evil, and they had made plans for slavery to lead to its eventual extinction. Well, guess what the hell we're here doing? (laughs) This is the eventual extinction. We're finally getting rid of the last vestiges that legally allow people to be property, to be forced to work. And regardless of whether you're wearing a T-shirt with the pyramids on it that says slavery gets shit done, slavery is a crime against humanity in any form that you want to put it in. And it should not be in our constitutions, whether state, territorial, district, or federal. It has no business being there. It is a shame. It is a, an embarrassment to the world. It points at our priorities. We're talking about people like China using the Uyghurs to make goods that we're buying, which is they're calling it slave labor, and we have more goods and services being provided by prisoners than China does. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, in that vein, uh, you want to talk about the Al Jazeera article now? Uh, yeah, go ahead and get into that. Uh, it gave me an opportunity to do something I have to do real quick. So go ahead and let's talk yeah, about that. Sure. So an article that came out from Al Jazeera, and it's under human rights, it says prison systems in the U.S. and Israel have something in common. Activists say private companies are profiting from the incarceration of racially profiled groups in the U.S. and Israel. And this article covers a 51-year-old Palestinian living in a refugee camp near Bethlehem, and it speaks about how he spent 16 years in Israeli prisons throughout his life, often without being formally charged with a crime. Think about that. 16 years in prison without being charged with the crime. And they talk about how his son is currently incarcerated. And I 
Well, yeah. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, I don't know what just happened. I was getting a weird noise from my phone. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So it says in the Israeli prison you cannot live without money because they don't bring you enough food. If you're a prisoner, you have to live with your own money. Sounds just like here as well. I'm trying to get to where they talked about the privatization. So charges of racial profiling are not unique to Israel and the U.S., where the incarceration rate is five to ten ten times higher than any other industrialized nation. African-American adults are 5.9 times as likely as white adults to be sent to prison, according to the sentencing project. And they say prisoners' rights advocates have also taken note of another striking similarity between the U.S. and Israel. In both countries, private companies are profiting from incarceration. And they say, if I can get these ads to stop popping up on me. You still there? Yeah, something's going on with my phone. She <laughs> meant to hold um, me down while some, I fall back in. I don't know what's going on. I'll read some on. more of it. Uh, okay. Basically, it's saying that the prisons in Israel are effectively doing the same thing that the prisons in America are doing, which is what we've been warning about, that this has been adopted. This prison-for-profit scheme has been adopted globally. And a lot of the corporations that do business here with American prisons also do business with the Israeli prisons. They, uh, in 2013, the research, they found information on 22 corporations that they had identified as profiting from facilities that incarcerate Palestinians inside Israel and the occupied West Bank. In the U.S., there's over 4,000 private corporations. And I've seen the whole list, which is like a top secret thing, but I've seen the whole list. 4,000 mm-hmm. private corporations that uh affect approximately 2.3 million people who are behind bars in prison, plus 11 to 12 million a year to go into the jails, plus the family members that are also caught up in these exorbitant uh, prices and extortion through things like phone call, like the, you, you was explaining earlier about the families and how much they had to spend every year in order to make sure that their loved ones who were locked up uh, were, had the things they need. In Israel, the private company Dadash Hadaram Distribution has stocked the canteens in all Israel prisons since 2009. They provide food and other goods to detainees uh, who can afford who can, who can afford to spend their money there. So you know we're seeing this thing happening across the globe. And Dadash has been reported to have generated 33.82 million dollars in profit for the IPS. Between 2009 and 2011. That's just a two-year period. Yusuf? That is just outrageous, just thinking about that. And then they just run off some more names, you know, where uh, start name dropping in here, the ones that are making the money, Siemens Corporation, uh, Motorola, IPS again. Just making hand, money hand over fist, and of course, uh, G uh, G4S, uh, British security giant G4S, previously operated in both the U.S. and Israeli prison systems, providing electronic surveillance equipment, ankle monitors, among other goods and services. 
Uh, and G4S is among the t- largest privately owned companies on earth. They were the top employer in Africa for over a decade. Across the entire continent of Africa, this prison and security company was the number one employer. It's just unbelievable. Well, let's go ahead and give Joe what we promised to give him, all right? And this is going to be our last track this evening other than the bridging the gap. Um, and it's going to be the Ohio State Representative Brian Stewart, his pro-slavery rant. Uh, and it's going to include uh, music from Fat Steve uh, Beats called We Are Slaves. Uh, and then we're going to also hear work song from Nina Simone. Um, so, yeah, uh, you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We're going to go deep into this when we get on the other side. We'll be right back. Abolition. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I, I just I asked this because I saw you nodding along kind of with the the, the discussion about Ohio's constitution as it relates to slavery. There's a lot of discussion yesterday. I got a lot of text messages from people confused about you know why we were talking about so much about slavery yesterday. I, and there was a there was a concern on the other side that we would sort of counteract. Uh, what they perceived to be disinformation yesterday. And so I, I think it's important to kind of make sure we're not confusing the public here. Uh, you know, the 13th Amendment the United States Constitution says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime, okay, shall exist. Right? That's where that began. That wasn't an endorsement of slavery. That was a legal acknowledgement that when we take away the liberty of a child murderer, and tell them that, well, you're going to wake up every day for 20 years and make license plates in a, in a state penitentiary. From a legal standpoint, someone might say that that looks kind of like slavery. It's not an endorsement of slavery as it existed prior to the Civil War. Ohio's Constitution has similar language. There shall be no slavery in this state, nor involuntary servitude, unless for the punishment of a crime. Again, that's, that predates the Civil War by 15 years. It's not an endorsement of slavery. That's a legal acknowledgement, again, that when we put away a multi-mass murderer and tell him he's going to, you know, uh, you know pick carrots and orient for, for the rest of his life, that might legally look something like slavery. So it was then brought up that, well, Oregon did something about this. You know, the lunatics in Portland took slavery out of the state constitution, and they did so because they wanted to make sure that you could no longer require people to undergo court-ordered, court-ordered counseling, court-ordered drug treatment, court-ordered community service, and arguably, how do you even lock somebody up if you're a child murderer in Oregon? And how, and you know, do the child murderers in Oregon now get to say, well, sorry, warden, I don't want to wake up and you know make license plates today because that's slavery. Are you really saying the League of Women Voters would want to change Ohio's constitution to essentially pave the way for us to not have any court-ordered, you know, community service or court-ordered, you know, making license plates in the in the state penitentiary? Because that's what that really involves. Breaking rocks out here on the chain Breaking rocks and stubbing my time. Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang. Cause the dumb convicted me a crime. I hold it steady right there while I hear it. 
well reckon that ought to get it been working and working, but I still got so terribly far to go. I committed crime, Lord, I need crime of being hungry and poor. I left the grocery store and breathing when they caught me robbing a store. Holy steady right there while I hit it. Well, I reckon that ought to get it been working and working, but I still got so terribly far to go. I heard the judge say five years on chain gang, you gonna go. I heard the judge say five years of labor. I heard my old man scream, Lord, he knows. Hold it right there while I hear it. Well, I reckon that ought to get it been working and working. But I still got so terribly far to go. Today.org with Max Parfus and Yusuf Hassan. I hope Joe is still on listening to that because it, it fit right into what he was saying. It also helps us check off number seven on the list of the 10 reasons not to abolish slavery, these arguments that you'll hear. Getting rid of slavery would cause great bloodshed and other evils. That's what's going to happen, that if we get rid of slavery, then these child rapists and these child murderers, we can't make them work anymore. We can't make them, and, and he's all out of context of what he's saying. The Department of Corrections determines what type of programs a person has to take, not the courts. You know, in general, the courts generally don't do that. If it's some 
small misdemeanor charge, then yeah, you can take them to community service or something like right. that. But when he, the stuff not for prison, prison. Sorry. Not for felony convictions where you go into a state right. prison or federal prison. Exactly. That just does We're not. We're talking happen. about people in state prison. The Department of Corrections set forth what they have to do. So he's wrong starting from there. And then it's all all over the place from there. Called them lunatics out in Oregon for abolishing slavery, constitutional slavery, restoring humanity to the people, automatically saying everyone there is a, is a rapist, a child murderer, multiple mass murderers, doubled down second time he said it, Max. Yeah, and all they do is make license plates in Ohio, apparently, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, that's the only like job he, in jail, too, making license mm-hmm. plates. Everybody yeah, today spoke about making license plates. Just about every state has their own private industry, uh, like Unicor mm-hmm. is the federal aspect of that. But the states have their own private right. industry where they make a variety of goods and provide a variety of services all coming from inmate labor or services where they're paid um, minimum uh, possible payments. In nine states at least that I know of, you get absolutely nothing. What did I tell uh, the representative? You get no dollar, no dollars and zero cents. <laughs> yeah. So, zero yeah, dollars uh, and no cents. <laughs> Um, but in other states, it ranges, 11 cents an hour, 36 cents an hour. Uh, in one lawsuit that they're doing in a pretrial uh, detention center, they were paying them $20 a day, and they were working 12-hour days. So it was, you know, a little over a dollar a day uh, or an hour in labor, which is still crazy. But, you know, to do certain things, they pay even more. I remember during the height of the covid in Rikers mm-hmm. Island, it was sending people over to Hearts Island to dig mass graves and giving them what was right. like six dollars an hour. Six dollars an hour—that's yep. magic money in prison. <laughs> exactly. Not to mention all the ones that were making all the hand sanitizer, but couldn't even use it themselves. In New York, right? Um, you know, he said from the very beginning. Uh, he said from the very beginning that he was only there because making this argument because his cohorts, uh, excuse me, I mean constituents, uh, said that they didn't understand why everybody was talking about slavery, uh, which had just been put on the, you know, uh, the bill had just been through committee in Ohio. And, of course, right. everybody was talking about it. It's a very important thing to a lot of people in this country that we end freaking slavery in states and federal constitutions. And so he stood against it the day before, and then he came back the next day. I guess they must have called him and said, you got to do something about this, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So not only right. did he come to this incredibly crazy argument on the fly, but they also uh, decided they was going to start a process where they would make it more difficult for ballot amendments to get to the ballot, where constitutional amendments would get to the ballot. So if they want to take it from a – 50% plus one vote, simple majority, to a 60% mm-hmm. supermajority. And they said that this was in order to stop the abortion rights that was going on. But it wasn't abortion that they were talking about, was it? <laughs> you know, you it all wasn't. heard what they were using as an example. I didn't hear him mention uh, abortion there. I didn't hear anything about right, abortion. Right, so 
back in August, that was voted down. But the idea from their perspective was to stop efforts like ours, which were succeeding in state after state after state, and will continue to succeed in state after state after state. Um, so that's one thing. And also, you know, it made them kind of famous for all the wrong reasons. This pro-slavery uh, rant that he went on, they started publishing it on websites like Ohio Families Unite, demanding an apology um, and uh, from, you know, his comments about slavery. I mean, they even printed it right up there. As you like to say often, the lunatics in Portland <laughs> took slavery out of the state constitution. Period. Like, why are you calling people lunatics for taking slavery right. out of their state constitution? And then he goes on to try to, you know, re- rationalize it because of child murderers. We got to make them make license plates. Because, damn it, how are we going to get our license plates otherwise? <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I know a child molester made my license plate, I'm not so sure I want the license plate. <laughs> right? How about that? You know, and uh, I don't know guys. Oh my goodness, man. This this yeah. is crazy. This is crazy. How he finished, how he finished it off was tricky too. Are you really saying the League of Women Voters will want to change Ohio's constitution to pave the way for us to not have any court ordered community service or court ordered making license plates in the state penitentiary? <laughs> The League of Women Voters, do you realize you're talking about their sons and daughters right. <laughs> that are being you know, incarcerated and killed in Ohio? Ohio is the land of Tamir Rice. Uh, so many of us have been mm-hmm. murdered in the streets in Ohio. There's so much oppression there, uh, constitutional, systemic oppression for decades and decades and decades in Ohio. So when you're talking about the League of Women Voters, you're talking about these women who are worried about their sons, who some of them have to explain to them, as I've said before in the show, one in three of y'all are going to end up in prison. And it's not because I want you there. It's the goddamn statistics of the state. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's so sad because Ohio has a rich abolitionist history. Like crossing that Ohio River was freedom. When you cross that Ohio River into Ohio, you were free. That was Ohio's legacy. And to see what's happening there now, that <laughs> he's calling other people lunatics, right? Sort of like take one to no one, right? These the are the arguments that we... Portland took slavery out of the state constitution. Like, These are the arguments we've heard brain, tonight. Matt. Sorry. So we've heard we've heard the media, the social media argument uh, was mm-hmm. put out that way. We've heard the religious argument. Um, mm-hmm. We've heard the argument from politicians uh, throughout the night. You know, as said, there's different angles that they come at it with, but they all have something in common. They're pro-slavery, and these are their pro-slavery arguments. And I tried to present the best of the best. I brought you the guys who are influencing millions and millions and millions, the people that are writing our laws, uh, the people that are teaching us what our relationship to God should be. So it's not like I just got some random crazy person off the street. These are the thought leaders out there. <laughs> the thought leaders. Thought leaders. Just think about and that. You know, 
pseudo-intellectuals. <laughs> How are you going to go from being reasonable to being a sociopathic genocidal maniac all in the same sense? I, I, I don't know. How is that possible? I'm thinking back to Anthony Brian Logan, and it's, you know, he's very clear. I understand what the dude is doing, and here's what you mean, and he's right on point with all of it until he gets to the part where I think it's a good thing to put that in there because, you know, if you uh, are going, you, you know you're going to become a slave, that's a deterrent to crime. Man, it just, it just leaves out so much. You know, because that's automatically presuming that everyone in prison had a fair trial. They had adequate representation. Uh, the police officers didn't plan evidence or lie on them, that the prosecutor didn't withhold evidence. I mean, how many cases are we seeing overturned because of things like this? You know, that they had a fair and impartial jury, that they had a fair and impartial judge. All of these things play in, in factor into it as well. Some people just cop out because of certain things. You know, they, they can't afford an attorney. The public defender that they've been uh, that's been assigned to their case, this person comes to them and convinces them every single day that they come to see them that they're guilty. That's what mine did to me. Every time he would come see me, his job was trying to convince me that I was guilty and that the, the, the deal that the prosecutor was offering me was the best deal. And it's in my best benefit to take that. Well, thank God I didn't listen to him, and I decided to represent myself. So, therefore, I'm sitting here with you today as opposed to, you know, sitting in Trenton, you know, state prison for the rest of my life. Uh, my own son is looking at a future like this where he's being framed and has no way to fight it because he can't afford it um, coming up this January. Um, these arguments are ridiculous. They're insane. It's, you have to have been programmed really somehow to even say things like this. For it to come out your mouth, there has got to be something much more going on. You're, you're, you can't possibly be uh, the person inside. You can't possibly be you. That's because that's not your mouth saying that, or not your words. It's somebody else who came before you said that, and a person who came before you him said that, but you don't know that because you don't study history, so you don't know what they said. And so you end up just being a mouthpiece for those who came before you and surrounding you with all these echo chambers of others saying the same thing, like singing songs about how we should start hanging people again and start bringing out torches in the middle of the night. And, you know, we get to be the arbitrary judges of who lives and who dies because we know it. We saw it on television. And if you see it on television, it must be true. It must you know? be true. <laughs> It must be true. Uh, so, you know, these arguments, if you're making these arguments, I suggest therapy. I don't know how successful it is going to be, but you need to tell somebody you feel like this uh, because this is just not how human beings are supposed to feel about each other. Slavery is not okay. God didn't say it's okay. Social media doesn't make it okay. Um, your politicians out there advocating in favor of it doesn't make it okay. It's a literal crime against humanity and the world sees it as a crime and because the world sees it as a crime while we actually have it embedded into our constitutions that is a national embarrassment and it's not just some symbolic thing we have the largest prison population that's ever existed 
in the history of humanity on planet Earth right here in the U.S. of A. with more black men in cages built for human beings than the top five populated African nations do combined, combined. And we're not a black nation, but we got more black men in cages than they do combined. It, it, it adds up. Two and two is four. One and one is two. A, mm-hmm. B, C, D. All you got to do is look. You see? You hit it right there, Max. You know, I, I have nothing else to say on it. This well, this was a tough episode, man. It's tough yeah. hearing these tough counter arguments or these pro-slavery arguments and somebody starts talking about, well, you need to hear both sides. Yeah, I can't tolerate listening to the other side because I know BS when I'm hearing it. You know, there is no other side. <laughs> there is no other side. How can Not there be possibly be another side? A pro-slavery side? What the hell is this, some kind of uh, cartoon networks crazy thing that you're listening to? I mean, yeah, it blew my mind hearing it and especially producing it and doing the research for it. And then knowing that I've heard it with my own ears and stood there right in front of them as they said these things out loud where I had to counter uh, it on a testimony. And so have you when we testified together out in New Jersey. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mind-blowing. But you, you need help if this is how you're thinking. These are not your thoughts. These are thoughts of devils in your head who have programmed you. And especially if you're a black person. Right. Whose history comes from the diaspora of slavery and genocide. And you're talking about how it's okay, it's a good thing, that it be a great deterrent. And it sounds good on paper till it happens to you or your son or your daughter, right? And then suddenly mm-hmm. it's bad. It's like the January Sixers. The January Sixers was, had nothing to say about how the Sixth Amendment was being violated, the Eighth Amendment was violated, all of this happening in these prisons and jails. You had nothing to say about it until it happened to you. And then suddenly it's a crime against humanity. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't wait until <laughs> it happens to you. All right, we got about yeah. four minutes, Lisa. Uh, and then we got to get into thanking our sponsors and finishing off for our evening with our Bridging the Gap. Um, before we do that, we're going to give last call for alcohol. If anybody has a question or comment in this next to last broadcast of Abolition Today, Season 4, talking to you. Um, yes. Tony. Brother Sean. Sean. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? 515-605-9814. Press one. All right. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to get involved. I don't blame them. Uh, It was hard enough for us to do it. (laughs) Right. So next week uh, we're going to have a a nice shindig to get up out of here, and we're going to review the year that we've been through and the episodes that we presented and arguments, you know, all of the teaching that we've done throughout these 30 episodes of Abolition Today Season 4. Um, and we're going to talk about what we're going to do next year because each year, you know, we have an overall narrative that we try to follow. So this year was education, getting the information out there and introducing the new breed to you. So you've seen and heard from organizers and 
legislators from across the country who are all uh, about to remove these exception clauses from their state constitutions or add anti-slavery language to protect the citizens from their own federal constitution. So looking forward to seeing that and uh, having some time off after that. Yusuf? Yeah. <laughs> I got me a bunch of new books that I'm going to read, and I'm going to go island hopping for two months. I'm going to be doing a lot of ASNN work. That's mainly it. And I'll take a little time with just me and Tribal uh, to do some things, maybe spend some time Good. with my Good. grandbabies. And then in January, of course, that I'll be cabin in the woods. You've been talking about that cabin in the woods for the longest, <laughs> that treehouse. I hope you get it. Yeah. I hope so, too. You know, I hope so, too. That would be nice. All right. Uh, we are about two minutes worth of time left. It don't matter. Let's go ahead and give a thanks to our sponsors, and uh, we'll get into our Bridging the Gap, which is actually a Bridging the Gap, so it's not the voices of the ancestor. It's kind of a summation of everything that we've been talking through tonight. Yeah. So, yes, sir. So, thank you to all of our close, all of our callers. Uh, getting to our closing comments, sponsors, partners, jailhouse lawyers speak. I am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network. Same urge Quakers uplifting racial justice. The Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. Prismatic Dreams and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Abolition Today. And our Facebook page, Abolition Today. Check out our Abolition Today page on Twitter. That's at Abolition Today, the number one. And also make sure you follow the Abolished Slavery National Network on Twitter. That's on all social media platforms. That's at Abolition Nation. So you've heard the contemporary justifications for slavery. So we heard this evening. So now we're going to compare them to the historical version. And you'll see the only thing that has changed has been electricity. The only difference. It is said <laughs> those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. These are the parrot people. With that said, this week's Bridging the Gap comes from History 11, Southern Justification of Slavery by Chris Schwant, S-C-H-W-A-N-D-T. And that will be followed up by Take a Knee My Ass by Neil McCoy. We'll be Another back uh, next Sunday, October 22nd, with our season four finale, as Max has mentioned. Don't want to miss that. Don't want to miss any of the episodes. Go to abolitiontoday.org to catch up. So, Thank you all for tuning in this evening. Uh, See you all next week for the season finale. Until then, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition today. The life of a slave consisted of never-ending hard work. Also, the fear of harsh punishment and brutality. Um, It also consisted of the constant fear that one's family could be split apart at the whim of a a slaveholder. Women were um, always under the threat of potentially being sexually or physically abused by the slave master. Slaves were considered property or cattle, not human. This justified the, um, the ability for 
owners, uh, slaveholders to to buy or sell or lease um, slaves at will, um, treating them much more as a commodity or a property rather than as human individuals. So we might ask, you know, what allowed uh, slavery to exist for so long, and how did Southerners justify this? First and foremost was the notion of racism, the, the idea that blacks were simply simply inferior to whites and couldn't really do anything else except labor. On the right, you see um, a portrayal, a misportrayal, I should say, of the difference in, in skulls and the, the idea that African Americans were more similar to chimpanzees than they were to to white people. Uh, this was really a pseudoscience that wasn't really based on any actual fact, but there was this intense belief that white people were simply smarter and more capable, and black people were condemned to labor. Second, Southerners used the Bible to justify sla- slavery by recognizing its existence in the book and uh, recognizing the, the history of the master-servant relations that were expressed in different parts of the Bible. should also say that the Bible was used by abolitionists in the North to justify the eradication of slavery, but so really depended on whose interpretation was being used. Number three was human progress required in some people's mind this um, elite cultivation of society. So some people uh, in, in the South believed that whites were meant to uh, be scientists, to be architects, to be great thinkers, writers, and that this was what was going to create human progress and a better life for everyone, um, ideas of the Enlightenment. And they, they justified the use of slaves in order for um, black Americans to be doing the work in the fields and all the hard labor so that more white people would um, engage in more intellectual scientific inquiry and thinking to cultivate society. Fourth was this idea that um, slavery allowed white people in, in the South to have a better sense of equality and pursue um, upward social mobility by going after um, slave slaves and trying to own them in order to acquire wealth, and that <clears throat> this um, that slavery actually provided more opportunities for people in white society, and that it was a form of of uh, economic freedom for for whites at the expense of slaves, of course. Finally, the notion of paternalism existed, and this was the idea that that slave owners actually cared for slaves like family. Many, many slaveholders felt that they were, they were being compassionate and empathetic to slaves. Um, they believed that they were doing what was best for them because they couldn't do anything for themselves. So clearly, all, all these um, ideas are misplaced and were used to, to really justify an institution that existed for hundreds of years to benefit um, the whites in society. 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I'll stand and place my hand upon my heart every time her anthem plays. When I see somebody on TV take their stand on bended knee, whether it's on AstroTurf or grass, I think of those whose freedom was not free. And I say, take a knee, my ass. I'll stand up for the flag, take off my hat for to Vietnam, 9-11 to Afghanistan, that star-spangled banner does yet wave. I won't forget I owe a debt of gratitude I never can repay. Arm in arm and side by side, American heroes fought and died. Showing some respect too much to ask I speak for those whose freedom was not free I say, take a knee, my ass I'll stand up for the flag Take off my hat If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.